Hey everybody, welcome to the WWB podcast. Um, I have a special guest, Randall. We are doing our pre-AEW or nothing AEW Dynamite and AEW Rampage recap. So it should be action-packed or not. Um, We're going to get right into it. So welcome in, Mr. Randall. What's up, brother? Uh, Not much. You know, early in the morning. Early in the morning. I haven't even got my grits yet, man. So you know, I'm gonna be a little. I'm gonna be a little edgy, but uh, <laughs> but um, yeah. The AEW really needed to set the pace for um their pay per view. This comes up um this Sunday. Um, we're gonna talk about if they actually did. If it set the table. So a lot of times, these type of shows are very pivotal. Um, when it comes to storylines and also getting people to be interested in buying uh the the um, pay per view. But already seems to be the numbers are somewhere over a million in terms of pay-per-view buys or, um, I mean, in terms of the gate. So we'll see uh, what happens and and we'll go from there. So we start off AEW Dynamite three-year anniversary with Steel Cage match, Wardlow versus Sean Dean, MJF as guest referee. MJF had an interesting referee uh, outfit, (laughs) which was very much into his... Uh, you know, his brand. Um, what do you think about the match? Um, well, the match itself, I mean, it was fine. I mean, sometimes when things that they do stuff that they don't need to do, I'm not really going to say that the stuff that I was questioning was bad. I mean, it was, it was fine. Like, I think that they like to get a lot of reactions from the crowd. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I think reactions can be a little bit more. Sometimes I think they prioritize reactions more so than just the story. Let the story sink in. Let's give the people a reason to want to see the match as opposed to, you know, you may have a lot of people who, if they get a lot of action on the TV show, might not buy the pay-per-view because they're getting their fill of action on the show. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So, like, the story that they told, okay, Wardlow's handcuffed. He's obviously in a bad situation. Um, you know, he eventually breaks the handcuffs and basically destroys Spears. Um, MJF, you know, comes from behind. I think he gave him a low blow. Spears accidentally hits MJF, knocks him out with the chair. Um, but that, see, that right there kind of goes back to all the times where I talk about how, you know, they're doing all these different things to people and then they just get up. Well, why? That's the only thing that happened to NJF in the entire match was he got hit with a chair, but he's out for like how long? Like that doesn't make sense in comparison to all the other things that happened on the TV show. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one of those things where if they dialed some of the other stuff back, that would have more of an impact. Mm-hmm. But because people are already into this segment, it's fine, right? Because people are, are invested into this. Yeah. But then like attacking all the security guards afterwards, it's like, You've already we've already got to the point where now it should have just been the stare off between MJF and Wardlow where MJF realizes, Oh no. You know what I mean? Like instead of all the security guards just being beat up. But um but that's just me. I, I, I liked it overall. 
Yeah, good. Yeah. The, I mean, one of the better things that the AEW has built, we've talked about this multiple times on different episodes. You want Wardlow to get his comeuppance. You want Wardlow to finally beat the absolute dog crap out of, um, you know, MJF. And, and this is an opportunity. The only thing I want to bring up is an unprotected chair shot here. Um, you know, as much as I listened to a... Um, a scrum with, with Tony talking about how you wanted to protect the wrestlers when it comes to the Owen Hart tournament, not overworking people because someone had asked, asked about um, them doing it all on one night or maybe a special night where they do that. And he talked about how you wanted to pace and protect the wrestlers. But what we've seen with AEW, they don't spare any costs when it comes to blood, tax, or extreme bumps as we've seen with previous matches the week before when it comes to um, Jeff Hardy or even... Um, you know, uh, Darby Allen. So it's interesting when Tony talks about how he wants to protect the wrestlers, where how much my question to is how tight are the reins that he reigns on what the wrestlers can do creatively versus what's best for them in terms of safety. So we have another situation here where unprotected chair shot. And, um, we know a lot of wrestlers with, with, uh, CTE and damage to their heads. And, um, some of them have been dependent on, um, narcotics as well to in pain medicine, uh, to to you know to help ease the the pain of many years of that type of thing. So, what are your thoughts on that unprotected chair shot? I think that Tony Khan lets the wrestlers go and do what the wrestlers want to do. I mean that that goes back to the Darby Allen thing. The, the Darby Allen thing to me was worse than the than the chair shot. Yeah, it was um, more egregious. It, it just it just goes to show like there's no. There's no control in here. And I don't know if I said it with the Darby Allen thing, but it's so, it's kind of ridiculous to the point where you know that people are getting sued for this. And the only reason that, you know, even like the NFL or the WWE or whoever is really able to get out of these lawsuits is because there's a lot of, well, we didn't really know what the effects would be. Mm -hmm. That's how they're able to get out of these things. AEW is not going to be able to use that excuse if the if they get sued 15, 20 years from now because they clearly know and have gone to measures where they've shown to try to protect people from other things. So you can't use the excuse of we didn't know. I love your foresight, Randall. Appreciate it, man. And just to clarify, it was 1.1 million ticket sales for the event. So that is for gate. The gate is 1.1 million. You mean the dollar amount. Dollar amount. Yep. That's that's the dollar amount that they um, have, you know, gleaned from the gate for a double or nothing. And they did a million before. So now it's a little bit more, probably added a couple more seats here. So hopping over to see. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, remember that you know when you adjust that for inflation, yeah, it's it's in comparison to other shows. Other shows probably did probably just about as well, but yeah, um, but yeah, that was that was the only thing. Yeah, it's still nice to say a milli, you know, for marketing purposes. So, and they'll probably sell a little bit more once you know, because you probably have some walk up, some people that. Um, want to join as well so maybe some walk-up traffic as well but then you have cm punk and hangman face to face we know this rivalry has been building over a month or two several i'll say a month but a month and a half or so um you know so what are your thoughts about the face-to-face i think cm punk uh, cut a pretty good promo i think hangman page was fiery did a good job of of, of um kind of getting the fire trying to show himself to be 
you know, with life instead of being an NPC, a non-playable character. So, <laughs> um, non-playable indie character. So it's good to see the fire for me personally. Um, this match is, I mean, much anticipated. Um, I'm excited to see what happens. Um, at this point, I honestly don't know which way they'll go. So what did you think about specifically the face-to-face here up in, prior to the pay-per-view? I mean, for me, I just don't understand the whole story. And maybe that's just because I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not into all the, the backstage or prior knowledge required, the, the required reading for the show. So I don't understand why Adam Page from the beginning started out with, oh, I'm not going to, I'm going to destroy Punk and you're going to be upset for wearing his shirt and all that stuff. It doesn't make sense to where that came from. And to me, uh, a good television show, if if, that, if they're going to tell that story, it needs to tell me why that's happening while it's happening. Not, oh, well, you should have known from, you know, these other things. So this is a, this is a clue because Punk has, every time he's been in a company, has, he's always turned once he's gotten the belt. Okay, but that's, that's a disconnect for me, right? Yeah. So I don't, I, I just think that they should have done a better job explaining why, or at least in this promo, explain why instead of a bunch of platitudes and, you know, all that stuff. But, I mean, look, if people want intensity from, from Adam Page, this was this was as, as intense as he's probably been. Um, but, you know, I, I just don't understand, like, I, I just don't understand, like, the, the, the way the story's being told. It's like, it's almost like when when uh, when Danielson when he just turned heel just for from nowhere like it wasn't really explained it just was accepted by people yeah and and that's that's the only thing that I was saying about it but as far as the way they delivered it fine it was good yeah yeah I'm, I'm glad that uh, well I'm, I'm glad we did this recap of Dynamite because uh, you know we got the Warlow MJF match and we got the the hangman and, and uh CM Punk. Man, I think we did this dynamite recap in record time. <laughs> well, we got some more going on here. We got Wait, there's what? Huh? <laughs> what? Are, you, are you being funny? <laughs> there's more? A lot more. And this is where things do change a little bit here, but we'll we'll stay but, mm-hmm. but, but see that's my point though. See <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I gotta be I gotta be I gotta be honest. Um on Wednesday or Wednesday or Thursday morning, whenever I watched this originally, I watched those segments and I didn't because, re- like, when you when we talk about this, you're like, you did, I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, I'm good. And then I realized, like, I watched Rampage and I was like, wait a minute, I feel like something's missing. And then I went back to the DVR and I only got like the first, I don't know, however long that cage match was in the folk match. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh. There's a lot more that I have to watch here. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and for me, this is this is one of the things I was going to say. I wanted to wait until this point. Mm-hmm. But like the the Wardlow match, I feel like people were anticipating, wanting to see that. Right. Yeah. It's not it, it's not a match to me that you will put at the start of the show because if you can get draw up interest, you could have got a couple interviews or promos hyping it up for the night so that people would continue to watch the show and build the audience waiting for that match, right? But if you give it away, if you give it away in the first segment, okay, then the only really thing that you got left 
is is the Pope and, and Hangman. But if you do that right after, it's like, well, I guess that's the show. I agree at least you. it was for me. I agree with you. The better way is to build it, uh, much like uh, I hate to mention WWE on <laughs> on AEW recap, but with the univ- you know, when they um, took the the unification titles together, uh, much like that. Um, you know, you build, you you make that a storyline. You say, "Hey, you've been really wanting to see. Do you see this? You, you every every now and again, you show like the the quick uh, promotional videos and stuff like that, and say, "Hey, get people pop, pumped up and stuff like that." And then you 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 or, pay it off towards the end of the show. Well, I'll give you an older example. Like I remember there was a time. This was the first time they ever did this too. Was when they put Hell in a Cell on. TV. Mm-hmm. Um, it was leading up to King of the Ring '98, actually. But they had uh, they had Austin and uh, I think it was Austin and the Undertaker had to face Kane and Mankind. Mm-hmm. But like they didn't do that match at the beginning. They showed you the cage at the start, mm-hmm. and then they built stuff up so that you'd be tuned in by the main event. But mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to. I don't want to belabor the point. I think I've made my case. Uh, yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, definitely, man. But you make a lot of sense with what you're saying there. It's, it it only makes sense. You want to get people excited. You have a reason to watch and stay with the show. And maybe in some ways they want to pop a rating. I don't know. I don't know the whole schematics behind it. But yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I think that makes a lot of sense as well. Private Party versus John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. We got some chocolate on AEW Dynamite for once. Look at this. Look at this. <laughs> All right. Private Party looked great. Um, of course, they, they, they're a great young tag team. I'm happy to see them both healthy and in the same ring at the same time. Which is interesting because I haven't seen that in a, a quite a couple of you know quite some time. It seems like it feels like, um, obviously uh, you know that they're going to lose here, but uh, it was good. They it, it, it didn't get you know they didn't get uh, they didn't get ran over, um, but they did get beat up, which is B double C's thing. Um, so uh, and actually you know it made me this match. Had me liking Eddie Kingston just a little bit more. When Eddie Kingston first came to AEW, I didn't see it. I didn't see why people loved him so much. I I didn't really connect with him that way. But then when I, I read his Players Tribune article, um, and I uh, you know started to watch some of the things he does from a, from a promo point of view, and as he's gotten better, a little bit more smoother, and he looks a little bit better in the ring in terms of his like his, he just looks healthier. He looks better like physically in the ring. Um, I'm starting to appreciate Eddie Kingston more. So, yeah. So, I mean, it was what it was. Private Party. Hopefully, they continue to be elevated. And hopefully, one day, we can see them have a meaningful run, uh, maybe against the Hardys or something uh, in the future. So, yeah. Any things you have to say? Um, I, 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 don't, I don't see them having the, the biggest of futures. But mm-hmm. not, not because they're not talented, but once you show somebody at such a level for so long, yeah. It's an uphill battle trying to convince people that they're not that. Yeah. But, um, you know, the match was fine. But, you know, what? We, we skipped over something earlier that I just wanted to bring attention to. Okay. Which was Jericho doing his promo earlier mm-hmm. where they're in the hallway and then he <laughs> throws the fireball He's in the wizard. guy's face. He's a wizard, yeah. <laughs> can, I, can I tell you, this, this is... So I know it's funny, right? It's hilarious, but it's also it's also very it's also very annoying for me, just from a logical standpoint. Go ahead, Mister Logic. Yes, sir. Okay, there was a time where if you threw a fireball in someone's face, 
it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And, of, I, and just to go, just to go back. So instead of a stick, it, instead of a stick, I get it. Instead of being a stick. Yeah, but but I mean, like in 1989, I can remember uh, this was this was one of the first things I can remember from WCW, or at least in the first few months. I can remember Eddie Gilbert trying to throw a fireball into the Great Muda's face, but instead he wound up getting a couple, one of the you know enhancement guys. And they, they're rushing to get this guy to put the towel in his face. It's chaos. Oh, my goodness. This guy's face has been burned. You know, that was a big deal. Now Jericho's just like, oh, I'm a wizard. And I'm throwing it into this uh, random stagehand's face. And he's down there, you know, acting. And maybe because he wasn't selling it that great. But, like, there's no there's no rushing to, to help this guy. Like, I, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me, like, why why you would take something that's fireballs, chair shots, things like that are tools, man. They're, they're supposed to be tools. Mm-hmm. And if you're just out here, like, throwing fireballs like you're throwing candy from the Macy's Day Parade, like, it, it's, it, you're, you're taking away the effectiveness and the seriousness of a tool that can be used. And I know that people are probably going to say, well, everybody knows it's not real. So we're just having fun, and like to me, that's the sign of 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 the end of something being effective. Like you're not going to be able to sell your product once you get everybody to the point where they're not taking your product seriously, even if they know. Like for years, people have known. Okay, wrestling is wrestling. We know what wrestling is. But the minute you start parodying it and and and, and treat and devaluing every single thing you do just because people don't. Or just because people know that it is what it is, like you, you've lost your effectiveness. You're not going to ever grow an audience because nobody takes it seriously anymore. I really appreciate your take on that. I, I think you're right. In in some ways, you're very right because, like, at the end of the day, we know what wrestling is, and we don't want it. Like you said, you don't want it to be like you said, uh, like some sort of a, like a Barnum and Bailey type thing going. Like you know, but at the same time, from a just from from a, on my side of it is. Is going to sell merch. If he comes out with I'm a wizard shirt with a fireball, I'm, I would buy the, I actually buy the shirt. I think it's cause coming from a comedic point of view. I think it's absolutely hilarious, but I do think there is a danger where you can literally make wrestling. You know, I've seen people send me things uh, where they have like a person wrestling, like a blow up doll or, um, you know, like a kid. And they're like, this is wrestling. And they, and they like try to make fun of it that way. And they try to take away from it. So I, I definitely understand it because it makes me, cr- some things like that do make me cringe when I see those goofy things done on the indies or in other random uh, obscure, um, you know, sh- uh, companies as and well. Let me, let me just give an example. Like, you know, there's, there's a point where somebody, if, if you're watching a show, somebody comes in the room, like you just said, there's some things that make you cringe, right? Mm-hmm. But then on the reverse side, there should be stuff, if you're watching a show like this, where pe- somebody's, where something happens and it makes people stop and look and say, hey, what's this? Instead of, oh, what's that? Like, and, and, and that's the difference between the reactions that I'm looking at, right? So Jericho throws a fireball into Satan's face. It looks fake and phony as, as can be. This guy isn't exactly looking like he got burned. He's, oh, oh, oh. That's the reaction that the guy gave, right? Uh-huh. But, but again, the fact that there's nobody coming here to try to, oh, look, check on this guy. That chaos missing out of that. Even if Jericho just wants to do it to be funny, at least have the chaos that follows. It's the same thing I said about the Darby thing. Like, he jumps off this ladder and everybody's just like, oh, this is part of the match. 
I agree like, with what you're saying. Yeah, you you gotta you gotta you gotta um. There's there's little nuances that they may necessarily miss. I get you. Makes sense. Yeah. Hopping over to Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships, FTR versus Rapongi Vice. This is for the wrestling nerds, the AEW loyalists, the Cheeto eaters, and mouth breathers. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I became aware of who Rapongi Vice was just by taking some additional research. The thing that you talk about, where people shouldn't have to do that all the time, um, and 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 I think they do talk a little bit about those this group. But again, this is for the the mouth breathers. Um, I get it. Um, I do like. FTR, I do think they're great, very talented. And honestly, watching this match, I grew with some respect for Rapongi Vice. Maybe the name is is repulsive to me because it just sounds so corny. But um, it's they they had. I mean, from a tech, from the just some of the things they did in the ring, I was very impressed. Honestly, I thought it was a solid, solid match. Again, uh, the question is, and Tony Khan has been asked this in, in interviews: When is Ring of Honor going to get a TV deal? And it's still in the works because it feels like he bought it on a whim. He had to get it quickly. He had to buy it quickly. He had to do it as soon as he could. It uh, seems like maybe there was other suitors and he just had to pull the trigger as soon as possible. So I think he's building it while we fly, so to speak. But I think this match was amazing, to be honest. I was, I was, I, I left impressed with Rapongi Vice and appreciative of FTR. And obviously, FTR gets the W. But What's annoying was the match didn't really get oh paid off because you had a random Jeff Cobb for people who didn't watch, who, I mean, for the per- casual person, like you said, who doesn't know um, who these people are. Jeff Cobb and the great Okan coming over from, uh, what did, I think they came from over from, uh, I guess they are part of New, New Japan. Japan. Jeff Cobb, who was a mercenary for Je- uh, Chris Jericho in a, like a year and a half ago, two years ago. Um, and great Okan, who I don't know who that is. Um, and I watched AEW almost, I mean, pretty much since it started. So instead of giving us a satisfying end to the match um, and and took away from the 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 I would say the um take away from the momentum that this match had and you have Jeff Cobb and Great Ocon non important to this specific feud um and maybe they're trying to do this the the forbidden door pay per view thing so they were trying to figure this but I think this was very just put thrown together and it also didn't give me a satisfying end so the momentum they had with the match was kind of taken away from. Jeff Cobb and Great Ocon, and I don't think it was a bad run in, but I think it was unnecessary. And I do think that um, it didn't make me want to watch The Forbidden Door anymore or want to buy that pay per view. And now it's intriguing, those two guys. It's definitely intriguing, but I don't know if it made me, fi- made me feel like wanting to buy The Forbidden Door pay per view. So I'm going to, so, so here, Grant, I'm, I'm going to do this because, but boy, let's be brief when you're on this one. Go ahead. <laughs> All, all I want to say about this one was this was a terrible run-in. Um, and, and not because of Jeff Cobb, because of the other guy. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Blank Man, but I'm going to call him other guy. I love Blank uh, Man, yeah. Yeah, the, the other guy, uh, he, he um, man, he, he he messed up on, like, two of the things that he was trying to do, like, where it's clear, like, you know, like, they did the move where Cobb had him on the shoulders and he went to go do, like, the neck breaker thing onto him and like he didn't connect with that at all like who was like that was bad and then the little face palm thing that he shot where he picked Trent up and was going to slam him into the table on the outside he didn't even hold on to him then and that guy just it, 
Yeah, if that's your selling point for for Forbidden Door, you can keep that door closed. <laughs> like, no. All right. We, we, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I was also just going to say, like, this is also something that, you know, a lot of wrestling organizations and just TV in general understand. If you've got a pay-per-view that's coming up, you know, you sell that pay-per-view. The Forbidden Door is after this pay-per-view. Yeah. Don't, don't try to oh, hey, we're going to be different and bring the same. There's a reason why people don't mix and match what's going on because it, it, you, you want to get as many people focused on what's in front of you, right? If if people are like, oh, yeah, the Forbidden Door, they might not be inclined to buy Double or Nothing mm-hmm. because, again, you get Double or Nothing stuff every week. The Forbidden Door, you know, for those people who like that kind of thing, oh, wait, I'll just wait and buy that on pay-per-view because these pay-per-views are costly. They're not like the the peacock ones where you know you're paying nine ninety nine a month, you yeah. got to pay the the big bucks for these. So $50, there's a yeah. lot of people who may not have that disposable income. So uh, I'm a big I'm a big fan. They should sell that one at a discount. They should do twenty bucks for that. One. <laughs> but but we're gonna hop over quickly yep. to the three way dance with Jungle Boy, Swerve, Strickland, and Ricky Starks. I'm gonna start with this. A surprise win. I'll say that. I had no delusions that Swerve would win. Um, Ricky Starks, Jungle Boy, I mean, these three dudes, in my opinion, put on a clinic. They had some great spots here, um, high level of athleticism. Swerve goes over. And again, we got two men of color, Ricky Starks and Swerve Strickland, in the, in the same match. Wow, a two-for-one deal, which is great. Um I really, I, I actually enjoyed this match and it, and, and got me to see is this is is this Swerve's coming out party and or is this is this Swerve ceiling? Where else can Swerve go? He beat, he went over on Ricky Starks. He went over on Jungle Boy. Does Swerve get into the TNT Championship picture? I'm interested to see if this is something that is just temporary or we take him to the next level. What? Um, and then also Keith Lee doing his dive. He's like all of uh. 300 and something pounds I, I was like did he just kill those people on the outside of the ring because first of all i'm 165 pounds and i'm not coordinated enough to do that so a man of his caliber and his size to do that i thought that was super dope um and then i also want to talk about uh thunder rosa's promo after this but what did you think specifically about the 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 match jungle boy swerve and ricky starks let's call this cut for time okay. um mm-hmm. i had to make up some time somewhere Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I saw the dive. I mean, it, it, it was a dive. I don't, again, I know that Keith Lee likes to do a lot of athletic things, but if, if Keith Lee is doing a dive, what makes the other, you know, 180 pound guys doing a dive any more special? Mm-hmm. That's it. Okay. Yeah. That's the most cut for time. Cause they, they look like they were, but, but for the time that they had, they, oh no, I'm saying it was cut. It was cut for me like I, I skipped over the match oh I got you I got you we had Tony Storm Britt Baker um what, what will I say about this <sighs> um I know AEW has the book Britt Baker as being you know oh Thunder Rosa did you get a chance to see the Thunder Rosa promo I saw it you see I think you did you sent me a text message let's talk about that real quick um Oh wait! I, I don't think I sent a text this week about it. I no, you did. No, 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 you before. did. You talked about how the sound, the, the audio. Uh, no, 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 no. My buddy Alfred Kunawa, who'll be on the next episode, talked about it. Um, so you didn't. You what? I get all my black guys mixed up, just like AEW. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, 
Thunder Rosa, first of all, she looked fine as hell. I was like, go here with that cowboy. And her makeup looked amazing. So from a static point of view, she looked like a superstar. She looked like a champion. Uh, her promo was a little plotting in some ways. I think it was better than her previous ones. I think it was terrible that they had the music join as she tried to finish her promo. I don't know who did that. Maybe, again, they were cut for time, but... Uh, that was a terrible thing to do. I think you took away from all the steam that she had from wanting to do the promo. But I think Rosa needs to know when the pull, like sometimes shorter is better. And um, some, you know, I think especially because she 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 does the she does the English and the Spanish thing. Um, I think sometimes when she gets her points across, it can just be a little bit. Uh, monotone. Huh. Monotone. Monotone or just heavy handed. It's like okay, we get it. Get hit your spots and get out. You know what I mean? Hit your spots and get out. Um, and I just think that they, they didn't do her any service by putting the music after that. But overall, I would say 50-50. The promo was really good. It started a little too long. Could have been shorter. But for what it was and what she's shown us thus far, it was by far the best. And the look and the presentation was great. But the cutting her off was absolutely egregious. What was your thoughts? I, the, just the whole story of this is, is that a selling point? But maybe they just have the idea that they don't need to sell this and just putting it on the show. Mm-hmm. But cutting these promos talking about, oh, well, I never complained. So that makes me better than you. Like, especially, again, when we just have a situation where a couple people just complained on another show and, and said, we'll take these belts and I'll go home. So it, it, the story just like, oh, I'm not a complainer. You should... Who, you should check your decisions. But, yeah, it, it, the story is bad. It's just a bad story overall. Yeah, and there was no need for her to talk about like her enhancements um, again. I thought that was cringy in a way. Um, well, but, I mean, cause, well, that's what Serena brought up. And, and again, Serena bringing it up, it's like yeah, the I, story here that you're saying is that, you know, you sold out to what you thought you should do so you could get a spot. Okay. If nobody, nobody was good in, in this in this scenario because you're saying, "Well, I never complained," and blah 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 blah. Well, there's people who should complain. Maybe you should complain about some things. Like it, it just doesn't make you. It doesn't like wrestling. You know, it's supposed to be about a bunch of people with with type A personalities, right? Yeah. That's what you see when you watch wrestling. And if you're just like, "No, no, no," I just I just do whatever comes to me. I just take whatever. People do not like that. But that's all I'll say. I'm not going to belabor the point on this one. No, I love I love it when you belabor the point. Um, the, the thing that you do, honestly, that, that makes this podcast so great, dude, is that you actually are analytical. I'm more of a, uh, I'm a I'm, I get excited. You know, I'm an analytical person, but I'll definitely say I do get excited. And uh, so <laughs> so for a man of your caliber who's who's able to really analyze it and, and really see where it's going. And also you're a promoter. So you bring a different perspective. You you own your own you know, wrestling company, dude. So I think you add a lot to what we're talking about here. Um, you know, so, uh, Tony storm, Britt Baker, I am not the biggest Britt Baker fan. One thing that made me a big fan of Britt Baker though, uh, we'll talk about that on dynamite. Um, but anyway, storm, uh, Tony storm losing, uh, we're okay. Here's the thing. You want to always keep Britt Baker elevated, right? But if you're building Tony storm, then you, you want to put her over, uh, but maybe it doesn't really hurt Tony because she's still new and the fans really don't haven't really gotten invested in her yet. So really, at the end of the day, Britt Baker is still the top of the card and you want her to kind of stay there. So and then Tony's going to have to earn her keep. So far, Tony's been OK. He's been better than most. Um, the, 
than some of the most recent ones that have come over. It's relatively a better overall in the ring, smoother overall. So we'll see where, where Tony uh, bottoms out in, in AEW. But, uh, you know, Britt Baker went over. Um, yeah. They would have been better off mixing up the bracket uh, differently, but we'll talk about that in a second. I don't know if we can move on through this. Yeah, okay, cool, cool. Uh, Samoa Joe versus Kyle O'Reilly, the palest man on AEW Dynamite by far. So, um, what did you think? I mean, I think the match was solid. I think Samoa Joe does what he does. He chokes people the hell out, and that's what he did. Yeah, you would expect these two to have a good match, and it was fine. It was taken seriously. And then they had Adam Cole come out and do the stare-off with Samoa Joe. Remember that for later. All right, all right. Going down. All right, so now we're going to hop over. So, guys, that, that covers our AEW Dynamite. We're going to do our AEW Rampage recap as well. Give me one second while I pull up my notes here. And uh, give me one second. Got to send something to. Yep. All right. All right. You, you, it's a, uh, yeah, we, we had an appearance by somebody we haven't seen on television in quite some time, which was a surprise to a degree to me. I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, but we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, let's get this rampage loaded up here. So we had. Matt Seidel versus Dan- Brian Danielson. Young Bucks in action. Scorpio Sky receives a title. Chris Dantlerner, Ruby, Ruby, Ruby Soho. All right, so let's hop into it real quick. Brian Danielson and Matt Seidel. I'm going to give you my take on this. Absolutely clinic here. This is how you do pro wrestling. Uh, Matt Seidel did get the... This is what I'm going to tell you about this. Brian Danson is one of the best psychologists when it comes to making a move look good or, or, or performing an action that really looks brutal. Those elbow strikes, I honestly just, I, even as long as I've been watching wrestling, the way he was striking Matt Seidel, maybe he did, maybe laid it in a little bit thick, maybe put in some New Japan type strikes there, but those things look absolutely brutal. I mean, they beat the absolute tar out of each other. Matt Seidel, honestly... Brian Danielson helped me appreciate the and Matt Seidel, his overall in-ring performance. Those two together helped me. This match elevated Matt Seidel in a way that I didn't think that it was possible, to be honest. I always thought him, I've always perceived him as just through presentation, some of the matches he's been in, as a guy who's a utilitarian, who's useful, but not necessarily a star. But in terms of this match, in terms of in-ring capabilities, he absolutely delivered. And Brian Danielson, Brian Danielson, delivered some wicked shots and some of the things that they did in this match this is wrestling i mean this honestly if you're gonna say uh in terms of just in-ring things this is something you could put on a on a buy-in as well uh for a pay-per-view this was amazing match i gleaned a whole bunch of respect from outside down a lot of appreciation for brian danielson and i was left with the idea of is Brian Danielson the next person that's going to challenge whoever may win the uh, AEW World Heavyweight Champion? Because at this point, the dude is has proven day in and day out he is the best pro wrestler um, in a lot of ways that William Regal says the perfect pro wrestler. Um, yeah, I, I love this match, dude. I, I think they beat the absolute dog crap out of each other. What do you think? I mean, it was Daniel Bryanson having uh, uh, Brian Danielson having a twelve minute match against. Somebody who, you know, again, 
this isn't anything against him personally or say anything about his ability, but he is where he is on the card. He's not going to go above that on the card at this point. So it doesn't, to me, make sense to have these long extended matches with him. Uh, again, Danielson should be in, in on TV. He should be in matches that are fairly short, showcase what he can do, and talk. Tell people about the match that he has that's going to actually that you're going to actually pay for. Yeah, or or a big match on TV, but not uh, uh, again. Match like this every now and then is nothing wrong with it. Just they should limit the amount of times they do it. Yeah. I, I hear you. I hear you. We've talked about it before. Okay. Hopping over to the Young Bucks. Okay, so this match was so annoying. The, yeah, but this may be <clears throat> the Young Bucks versus Taylor Rust and John Cruz, a.k.a. Uh, they had uh, Serpent- Serpentico without a mask. Um, young Bucks trying to build heat. I guess they were trying to do something to, to build the rivalry with, with the, the, the uh, Hardy brothers, which I think could have took another, you could have really built this over a month. But uh, Jeff has only really been in the company for about a month. So um, it sounds like, it just seems like this is kind of, rushed a little bit and for a match of this caliber to be on a pay-per-view i wish they did a little bit more um but i'm still excited to see the match i'm excited to see what happens but i definitely wish the promo the build the storytelling would have been better and more complete in this way (laughs) we had a (laughs) we had a match with uh gangrel being shown um and getting beat up too i thought that was nice but i was like what does the gangrel have to do with anything but we know history of gangrel um, I guess we're, we're talking about the brood or so to speak. Um, so interesting. Cause where was, where were the Hardys originally with the brood too, right? No. So it was, it was, the brood it was, was Edge, Edge yes, Edge and Christian. Gangrel. And yeah. then when Gangrel turned on the brood, he joined with the Hardys for all of about six weeks. To gotcha. be the new brood. Yeah. 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 The new, the new brood. Yeah. 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 I remember cause I used to play it on, on uh, SmackDown. So it's so the new brood. Yeah. 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 So the brood. So they started off with um, Christian and edge and then it went to them. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. So they had their own, uh, type of groups. What did you think about the match? And then what did you think about the, uh, gang girls, uh, sighting? Um, I mean, here's the thing. I, I, I think that I'm, I'm not the target audience for this, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't like, I don't like the, the constant references to things like, don't get me wrong. I like to look at things from the past, but I don't like the constant references of things to the past or, such obscure things because really, like I said, Gangrel was with the Hardy Boys for like six weeks, if it, if it was even that long. Yeah, and a lot of people um, don't know who Gangrel is who watch AEW. Like what? Well, I don't. I don't think that people don't know who Gangrel is. I just don't think that he's associated with Hardy. But okay, I, I'll, I'll even concede that point that he was okay. He's associated with them from the past. Why are you putting him on like Rampage? Uh, or especially on Rampage, is not even in the normal time slot. To me, that should have been something that was on dynamite, and then maybe do that over a couple weeks to where you can milk it. Because you just bring him in here and just do the thing, and then he gets beat up the same day by them. It's like none of this makes any sense. Why would he? It, it just, it just, and I really just don't like the fact that you're doing something that is supposed to be meant to increase. Um, People wanted to see this match, but all you're doing is getting people to laugh. Ha ha ha! That's all it was. Brandon Cutler dressed up as leader. Oh, that's funny. Ha ha! Yeah. Like it just—it's it, to me. I just think that they're just out there having fun instead of doing what's in the best interest of things. Yeah, in the interest in business. Yep. So hopping over to do do Matt Caster and Max. Caster and Dante Martin sounds like the acclaimed is 
partnering up with the, the gun club. So a cringeworthy partnership, no doubt. I bet you FCC is waiting at any point in time to pull the plug on this group. But um, yeah, I'm happy to see Mark. I'm happy to see again. It's a lot of some chocolate here. But before I hop into the chocolate, Matt, this, this too, let's hop into Scorpio Sky's belt. I absolutely love the belt. I love the presentation. I thought they were going to screw him over and not be a belt and just hit him in the head with something. Um, I was fully thinking they were going to turn on Scorpio. Um, but the belt looked great. I mean, I feel like they've had like five uh, TNT titles and only two of them have been really explained as to why they are the way they were. But um, my, my thing was with this, is it really believable that these three people, Ty Cassie, Sammy Guevara, and Cav, can just go into this MMA facility and there's not going to be somebody there who can just take them out? Yeah. But, uh, but you know, I guess they, they have to do something there to make everybody as unlikable as possible. But let's let's get on to the let's get on to the to the to the to the real stuff here. Let's talk about what's next. Anything happen? Anything happen after this? <laughs> uh, well, Matt. All right. So, t- two chocolatey brothers. Um, you say you, you could say uh, butter pecan chocolate, um, or if that's if that's even a chocolate, butter two butter pecan brothers <laughs> having a match. Um, you know, Doctor Umar. Nah, I mean that match happened. That match happened. We, we got limited time here, man. Let's talk about let's talk about what happened in the main event. I know, but Doctor Umar would say they. <laughs> what would Doctor Umar say? No, but um, no, it was good. I'm happy that Dante Martin got a victory, and over Max Caster, who honestly has been really shown himself to be valuable. We again, in the AEW, we don't know where Max Caster his ceiling is or the acclaimed. I do see. I honestly see tag team gold in their future before they retire, and Dante getting a victory. Yay! So I mean, you know, it was good to see two young guys get the opportunity to rip it up. That's dope. But yeah, Ruby Soho and Chris Statlander, bruh. First of all. Ruby looked, uh, I mean, Chris Statlander looked amazing. She has been hitting the gym. She has been doing the work. She at her, oh my God, she's a powerhouse, dude. She looks amazing. Uh, Ruby Soho and her having this match, you know, ultimately, Chris Statlander is a powerhouse. And she sh- I think she should have definitely dominated Ruby a little bit more. Um, and then also in some spots, it looked like there was some technical difficulty, so to speak, when it comes to some execution of things. It wasn't the smoothest. And I don't know if it is a Ruby Soho thing. It seems like in some, I mean, it just seems like Ruby has been scuffling over the last couple of, since she's been with AEW, to be honest, in terms of just consistently smooth matches. And as a person, and we're not trying to be critical, we know it's, it's not ballet, but at the end of the day, you're on a major television program, you're doing this stuff, we there needs to be a level of just overall consistent performance or improvement that we need to see. Uh, I like Ruby Soho. I want to root for her, but it looked like, um, honestly, I thought it, it, uh, Chris Statlander with her new repackaging, her rebranding, um, her look looking amazing, taking the time to really work on her character. I thought she was going to get the victory. And that sounds like the audience was expecting her to get the victory as well. I thought it was the most interesting in the history of AEW to see, Ruby get a, a so-called babyface, get a victory, and it'd be booed to be booed in a victory. Wow, the, the crowd really did not like this. I'm going to let you go off, sir. I know you got something to say. I mean, look, I, I don't, I don't want to take anything away from Ruby. 
Um, but I, I think I've brought this up for a couple weeks now. How I'm like, you know, when you look at her, she was the one that I gave the example of where it's like the fans, when she got released, were behind her because they didn't like the WWE and they wanted, they wanted to make sure that these people were okay. So they were happy that that AEW picked up this person who they seem to all identify with, right? Mm-hmm. But I, that, that to me didn't necessarily mean that they liked her more than they liked the people that were there. Mm-hmm. They were just happy that, in their minds, AEW did the right thing, you know? So now she's, she's been there, and that, that focus, that, that crowd reaction has faded over time. And you know, she comes in, she's got licensed music and everything, but then, like, the, the crowd just doesn't seem as behind her. Now, Chris Statlander, as you pointed out, she's changed some things up. She, she, she looks like an athlete. And when you see her in there in this match, she's doing, the, the crowd is behind her. From the minute she comes out, she gets a bigger reaction. In the match, um, it, you know, during the match, like, she, she's doing these things, and She's hitting these big moves and the crowd's reaction. And then when you get towards the end of the match, you know, she, she does the thing where uh, Ruby is on her shoulders. Looks like she's about to do a reverse her karate, but she holds her, swings her forward into the turnbuckle, does the roll, roll through German suplex, picks her up, does this big, I don't know what the move is called, I don't have Excalibur's knowledge here, but she, she picks her up. Drops her down in a big, big time maneuver. The crowd at this point is like, "Yes, she's about to win." You hear them rumbling on the on the stands, like pounding their feet, like, "Yes, they're really excited." And then she kicks out, and they're like, "What the, what?" You know, that's the reaction that everybody gave. And you can look and see the faces in in, in the crowd and behind, and they're like, "Why? What? I don't understand." And then. After all that excitement, Statlander goes, she clotheslines Ruby real hard. It looks good. And then she's about to put her in a move, and then Ruby kicks her out of it. But she's kicking her in the chest. These kicks from where she's at don't really look like they're that effective. When she gets out of it, she kicks Statlander in the shin and then rolls her up in an Oklahoma roll and wins the match. And the crowd went mild. They were like upset, like, why? What is what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. And you see the reactions on their faces when she wins. You look at the crowd and you're like, they're like, what? Why? Again, same reactions when she kicked out. Like, what are we doing? And then that was the part where I sent you the text and I was like, look at this. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I didn't even look past it at first. And then I had to go back and was like, oh, there's still time left on the DVR here. Mm-hmm. So then I see the part where Britt Baker comes out. By the way, they did that exact same thing on, on Dynamite. Like, they shouldn't consistently do these same things over and over. So you had uh, you had Adam Cole come out at the end, mm-hmm. and then you had Britt Baker come out at the end. Mm-hmm. But needless, Ruby... Being Ruby and how she normally is, she goes cut brick up, brick off before and like you know cut the music, blah blah blah, and the crowd is actively booing her. Yeah, you know before it was reaction of oh my goodness, I can't believe they did that. Mm-hmm. Now they're just flat out booing her. They don't want to hear anything she's got to say. Brick kind of has a little smirk on her face because and and Ruby is 
You know, she's trying to do what she can, but she's, she's drowning. She's almost come, well, she almost comes across like a stand-up comedian that's fairly new <laughs> and is in a room where the jokes aren't landing and people are booing. Well, guys, I understand, guys. So, look, I like her, too. I mean, you know, she's... That's kind of how it came up. She made it, wor- she, like, she made it worse. She should have just, just kind of went on with what she was doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... I, and, but I feel like this is the, the thought of, hey, you're supposed to like me. I don't understand why you're not liking me. Well, I'm just going to talk. Maybe I can get you to change your minds right now on the spot. But no, you're not going to change their minds in that, in that moment. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it just, it looks bad. And I, I just don't understand if, if this is one of those things where, like, hey, maybe they promised her this ahead of time or, when you know when she came in, she wasn't going to win the title, but she was going to get this, that, or the other. Like, oh, we're going to do something with you. But to me, this kind of makes this this was this is one of those worst case scenarios. Yeah, because it, I felt you, bad for it. You got well, but think about it like this. And this again, I'm not saying that she's not a good wrestler. Yeah, me neither. I'm saying that yeah. I'm saying that she got released from one company, comes to the other company, thinking that the fans are behind her and want her. And then now she's got rejected by the fans. Like the only thing you can do now is turn heel. Right. Yeah, exactly. Then is the Britt Baker going to be a face? Please. No. God. I mean, but you know what though? She Britt Baker as a whole isn't going to be a face. And she'll probably be cheered in the, at the pay-per-view. Yeah. Um, that, that'll be, that'll oof, bizarro land. Yeah. But it goes back to, Britt Baker's been with AEW since the very first press conference. You're right. Ruby, they're they're happy that AEW picked up, picked her up. But to me, this is showing that. Well, we're happy that they picked you up, but we don't we don't want you. To, we don't want you to be our people. <laughs> Yeah, man, it was uh, it was tough, and and like I said, she she was she she was drowning there. It was like she bombed on stage, and people were like, "Yes," and they were vocally adamant. I was like, "Jesus, this is the it's the in terms of like crowd reaction and try to some it's like almost it reminds me of Cody vibes to be honest. Uh, <laughs> PTSD from Kobe's Cody's experience. So yeah, man, all in all, when you take Dynamite and you take Rampage together. And up and down, up and down. I don't know if it made me want to buy the pay-per-view. I don't think it did move me anymore. I'm definitely interested in the matches that I was already interested in. And um, yeah. and I do want to take a quick moment to say this one thing before I hand it over to you. I do want to um, let the audience know, and you know as well, um, you know, I, I had a death in the family. My mom passed away this week. So, oh, um, man. yeah, my mom did pass away this week. So I wanted to say I'm going to put this episode in dedication to my mom, Kim. Um, she was really a great human being. She had a great sense of humor. And she actually did call me about four or five months ago. She had called me randomly on like a Friday. And she said to me, hey, you think I could be a pro wrestler? She just calls me literally randomly. And this tells you a lot about my mom's personality. I'll tell you more about her off the air. But she had such a, a, a great sense of humor, very similar to mine. I think I can't, I got a lot of my animation from her. And she called me. She's like, you know, I could be a pro wrestler. I've been thinking about it. And she was like, my mom's like all of 50, had three kids. She's not going to be a pro wrestler. But I thought it was just super, I found it so intriguing. I was like, mom, you definitely could do something like that. I would love to see you even if she does like one indie show. I was like, this could be something that'd be cool. Um, so she definitely was a relative. She knew of wrestling. She was a 
fan of wrestling and um and she had called me so i want to share that small story so yeah i want to put this in honor of my mom kim and uh, rest in peace and i appreciate all that you have tried to do in my life as well so um hate to end it on a bad note but um but i wanted to say you know she was a really she's a fan of wrestling and she and she had a great sense of humor as well so in a lot of ways she inspired me to do some of the things that i'm doing now so what would your words uh before we let lo- loose of this episode well, uh, you know, definitely sorry to hear about your mom. Yeah. Uh, this, was, this was my first time hearing about that, but yeah, yeah. Um, you know, as far as as far as this week goes, as far as the wrestling, I mean, uh, again, I mean, I, I think that you know, with Dynamite, I think they did themselves a disservice by front loading front loading the show, unless they were worried about some type of playoff. You know, I'm, I'm not sure about what, what else was on, but. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, like, like I said, I I was ready to turn the show off after those first two segments. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know, and and the other stuff, like I said, everything else was kind of, you know, there's there's your your range of okay, we have these these matches that we're going to have that we're going to have, and then we have these bad segments that we're just going to have. So, that's, I mean, what what they are every week. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, man, thanks for coming on this episode. And guys, thanks for listening to this special episode uh, pre, um, you know, AEW Double or Nothing pay-per-view. And thanks for hearing my story. And, and uh, yeah, I look forward to continuing to just keeping that sense of humor in my mom's head. And, and the love of wrestling, like, this is literally my passion, man. And, and so to meet a person like you, Randall, through the world of wrestling, I consider you a, a, a really cool confidant. And, and, and the friendship is developing, dude. And it's always so nice to, to have you on. And I think some of my best episodes, honestly, has been with you, especially my favorite, which was the, um, the Doom episode. I really love that episode so uh, your, your time and your and also talk about what you got accepted into law school right well i mean i did get accepted into one of them but uh I don't, i'm not sure if i'm necessarily going to that one mm-hmm. for sure so i don't want to name it out yet <laughs> i got but, you. Uh, <laughs> randall's a man of many hats one of the most talented men i know and especially as, as a man of color to be a promoter uh, going to go for law, uh, law school and, and, and also being a, an accomplished instrumentalist. Um, you know, the dude is just multi-talented, no doubt. So, guys, thanks for coming on an episode of Wrestling Wild Black and thanks for doing this pre-AEW Double or Nothing episode of AEW Dynamite recap and re- Rampage recap and peace. Hands up,